Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of The New Abnormal. Today, I'm really excited because we have one of my favorite directors on. He's directed Zero Days, Totally Under Control, Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room, Taxi the Dark Side, Going Clear on Scientology, just so many amazing documentaries. But today we're going to talk about his new one, Crime of the Century, on the Sacklers as well as the opioid crisis. And this conversation is awesome, and I'm so happy to welcome Alex Gibney. Welcome back to the new abnormal Alex Gibney. I don't understand how you make so many movies. I don't really understand <laughs> either. But my wife will tell you that there was a time when I didn't make any movies. So Really? I mean, yeah, making up for lost time. Yeah, I, I, there were a long series. And it was, it was when my kids were little, too. So there was even more reason for me to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this is the third movie you've been here in like six months discussing. <laughs> Talk to us about... I mean, we both watched the movie. We were both, I think, we didn't watch it together, but we were both pretty horrified. Um, how did you get to this subject? You know, it was interesting. I was having a meeting, actually, with the, with the investigative team at the Washington Post. We were talking about ideas, and they were, they were talking about their long investigation into this crisis. And, and they described the three stages of the crisis, prescription opioids, heroin, and fentanyl, in a way that I really hadn't properly understood before. And that really piqued my interest because I had looked at the opioid crisis as a kind of natural disaster, sort of like a hurricane or a, or a flood, you know, something that just happens. But seeing it within the context of a big series of crimes, that really caught my interest and, and I dug in. And that was about three years ago to show you it wasn't like we just cranked this out yeah you can tell was there a person in the dock where you were like holy moly this person puts it all together well there are a number of people who put it all together but the, my holy moly moment was in one of the side characters when we interviewed that guy gary blinn who was a kind of rat for purdue when you get to that level of, of malfeasance and you see it up close and personal, or the other person where my jaw dropped was Alec Berlikoff, the salesperson for Oh, Instance. yeah. Oh, man. What a personality. He's a character out of Glengarry Glen Ross. And he <laughs> yeah. Very honestly about how these scams, indeed crimes, were committed, and he was in, in the middle of it. So, you know, there were a number of jaw-dropper moments for me in this, in this, in the making of this film. The scene I found most disturbing was the scene where they talk about the people who you trust the most were doctors, and it's so depressing because obviously we're in the stage where we're like, trust scientists, trust doctors, and then you see them being really untrustworthy, and I was like, you know, it just sucked the life out of me. Yeah, it was terrible because, I mean, it, that was actually very much of a business model for both for Purdue and also for Insys and, and a number of other companies. The idea is to take the most trusted figure in people's lives and to flip that person, to, to corrupt them by paying them lots of money. And then the next thing you know, you, you have a business model where 
doctors that people allegedly trust are either over-prescribing opioids or are part of a, a pill mill, which is actually manufacturing you know, a system for diverting opioids into the illicit market. Those videos of the, like, parties, I don't know why they really upset me. Well, you can see that they don't have anything to do with healthcare. I mean, we, we, we were able to get one of these videos at a Purdue sales conference. I think it was back in 1997. And they're singing those rock and roll songs about selling Oxycontin. You got to sell Oxycontin, sell Oxycontin. <laughs> yeah. And they're all dancing. Like, yeah. because isn't it awesome that we're selling more opioids than, than, than Viagra? Then to see the, the rap video, for instance, where the rap is literally a description of crime after crime after crime. And by the way, they produced that rap video two years after the first subpoenas were issued for a federal investigation into the company. So it, it shows you just how much they felt above the law uh, because our regulatory framework was clearly so enfeebled. And Chris Dodd, that shocked me. It is surprising. Liberal Democratic senator from Connecticut. But Connecticut is where... Purdue Pharma's headquarters is. Yeah. And so, you know, he's taking Purdue's position and and had had discussed talking points with Purdue a few days prior to this hearing where this very poignant character, Art Van Zee, a country doctor in the western corner of Virginia, he's just trying desperately to get people to pay attention to the fact that opioids is ravaging, opioids are ravaging his community. And he wants um, the government to do something about it. And they're, and, and, and the response is kind of like, well, you know, in that part of the country, there are addicts. That's just right. what things are. You shouldn't have been poor. Yeah. I mean, that stuff really struck me. Do you, have you kept in touch with that doctor? Yes, we did a couple of press things and, and he's, you know, very much part of that. I mean, I didn't interview him that that very long ago. You know, he's still very much a member of the community. He's still, you know, he's grown up with so many of the people in that community where he's treated them as as, as little kids and now he's treating them as adults. I mean, he's, you know, he's a central part of that community. So you show this Congressman Tom Reno, who is one of the more egregious legislators to advance laws to make opioid use explode. And he was appointed by Trump when Trump was appointing every wolf to the hen house. It may have been that I was so emotionally overwhelmed, but did he do anything that in the Trump administration that really made this explode? And has it been rolled back or has anything happened with that? So ultimately, he was nominated by Trump to be the drug czar, but ultimately didn't take that position for a number of reasons. One, there was a huge amount of pushback. And two, uh, he ended up, I believe he was diagnosed with cancer, if I'm not mistaken. So, so he ended up stepping down. But I just indicated that Trump's first, his go-to guy happened to be the guy who did more than anybody to eviscerate the DEA's ability to go after these companies that were flooding America with opioids. Of course. <laughs> I mean, have you seen any good progress? I mean, look, there is good progress. And in some cases, there has been a kind of overcorrection. I mean, I would say that, you know, uh, the severity of, of advisories on opioid prescription has sometimes gone too far. Well, that's good. 
<laughs> Sorry. No, no, but it, it's good in a way. I mean, it needs to be more textured, I think, because, you know, in, in some cases, opioid medication is, is valuable. You know, in the few days after an operation, oxycodone or morphine is, is great, you know, for end-of-life cancer pain. For sure. You know, yeah. even like oxycodone is, is great. But the con here was convincing people that there was no danger, that no dose was too high, that you couldn't get addicted, that it was good for everything. Right, and that you can't, and you shouldn't take pain pain medicine I mean right as a regular thing unless you're dying I mean there you go well you, you just have to be very cautious and careful and, and aware of the dangers you know there may be some cases where it's indicated because nothing else works but by the way you know one of the long-term not for everybody but for some people one of the long-term downsides of taking opioids over a long period of time is that it actually makes you more sensitive to pain so it actually increases the severity of your symptoms. It can, in addition to creating a kind of, um, you know, physical dependence. I'm always struck by that, like, you know, with cigarettes as a child of the 80s, like we were told exactly what's going to happen to us if we smoke. But with opioids, like when Rush Limbaugh apparently loses his hearing from taking too many of them onto like, you know, I've had a friend die from opioids every year except one in the last 22 years. Prince died from fentanyl? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they just don't tell you explicitly, like, what's going to happen to you if you get addicted to this, like the way we've done with some things. The education seems so poor. Well, you know what's shocking in a way is that how could we not have known better? Because you know, that was one of the purposes in the in the film, in the opening credit sequence, of going through the history of opioids and going back to King Tut. In the 19th century, opium was the world's most traded commodity because it balanced world trade with China. Um, and why? Because, you know, it was enormously addictive and the Chinese government tried to push back. And when they did try to push back, the British invaded in order to keep <laughs> those opioid profits flowing. So it shouldn't have been a mystery that opioids were addictive. And, and the idea that, that these companies were able to kind of redefine the issue, both by redefining pain and then by saying, oh, well, in this, in this new, you know, time release formula, OxyContin, you know, it, it's no longer addictive and, and can't be abused, both of which Purdue knew to be false. Right. Who do you think the villain here is? Unfortunately, it's a little bit like, you know, Murder on the Orient Express, where you learn that there are a lot of villains. You know, the key villains, of course, are these big companies that are making lots of money from opioids and are willfully blind to the damage that, that they're doing. Obviously, you know, there, there are bad doctors who contribute to this. There are pharmacies who look the other ways. There, there's distributors who are some of our biggest companies. They're villains. And honestly, I think Congress has just done a terrible job, not to mention our whole system of the revolving door, which, which continues to contribute to this. But if I were to say, who's the worst villain here? You know, I'd say it's our healthcare system. Because it's so full of bad incentives that are so much more based on supply and demand than they are the Hippocratic Oath. So, you know, that I think is the bigger takeaway for me. You know, this was would only be possible within the context of a healthcare system that is not treating the totality of the patient and is just infused by all sorts of market principles that are allowed to run amok. It struck me that advertising pharmaceuticals is part of a, the real problem in America. 
I mean, it is. They don't let you advertise pharmaceuticals in other places. Well, but I'm not sure how much, in other words, I don't recall seeing any big billboards for OxyContin right. know, that are directed to patients. What they did do was they advertised them or they, they pushed them hard to doctors. And, and, and they had a whole campaign. And then they, they had this corrupting campaign of, of making doctors speakers uh, to advance the the, you know, to, to preach the gospel of the go- opioid, and then they would pay them to be speakers. And then lo and behold, they started prescribing more opioids. And by the time you get to INSIS, they actually have a return on investment chart so that if they're if they're paying a doctor $10,000, they expect that doctor to write at least double. They've got to write $20,000 worth of, of opioid or they cut off their speaker payments. Has there been anything to curtail that? Like that seemed like one of, I mean, I've known that's gone on forever now since I, you know, 20 years I've seen it, but is that coming to an end? Is there any way to stop that? You know, obviously when it gets to the point of, of being so bold and so brash, as in the case of INSIS, you can prosecute that. That's that's just fraud. And it's the definition of a bribe. But the bigger problem is, is curtailing the practice of basically paying for medical advice or opinions that you that you want. And how do you curtail that practice? That is a bigger, more systemic problem that I think, you know, Congress would need to address. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's so disturbing for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or... I prefer... Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... 
I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. What isn't in the documentary? Like what was just you couldn't put in there for any number of reasons? Is there anything in there that we should know about that's not in there? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, one of the things that was staggering to me, and, and, and this was a problem in the in the editing room, when we got our hands on this prosecution memo, which is um, which is a basically a, a brief, 120-page b- brief by prosecutors, uh, federal prosecutors, who wanted to indict f- for felonies the key executives at, at, at Purdue Pharma. You know, there's a tremendous amount of detail in there. Um, and, and we did roll down some of that detail and included a lot more in, in, the, in the film and ultimately had to trim it back. So there are a lot of other examples here that are, that are not good examples. And, you know, I think if you, you go into some of these communities and you ask people, you know, do you know anybody who's died of uh, opioid overdose? And, you know, these, these folks all have friends, family, and, and they can tell these heartrending stories. I mean, like that, like that story of that uh, young girl, Sarah Fazell in, in part two. Yeah, it's, it's heart-wrenching. So one of the things, you know, people are always like, oh, I want to see bipartisan legislation. And then you show some in this where Marshall Blackburn is pushing through this legislation to loosen opium laws and Obama signs it. That was passed by unanimous consent. Yeah. I was jaw dropped and I kind of even expect things like that. Do you think now that we have this hyper partisan world where every congressman could seize on things like this to make a tax? Do you, we think that that would not happen now? Do we think that's at least something we're safe from? Look, I don't know. I, I think it's going to, I mean, here's where it's going to take a kind of popular revolt to turn this mm. on its head, because obviously one of the things the doc does is to show the power of money, of people yes. like Big Pharma, you know, because if you want a lot of campaign contributions and you want them fast, how about, you know, <laughs> tapping your pals at Big Pharma? And then then they'll write the legislation, which you will then endorse and may or may not read, and those laws will get passed. But I think in the wake of both COVID and the opioid crisis, where so many people are dead, you know, you'd think we'd be able to say, you know, you either give us a good healthcare system or you're out. And, 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 and that's our bedrock issue. So explain to us why you're not doing that work. That, that would be what I would say. Well, we did see some good pushback against Big Pharma with this IP from the Biden administration. So I hope we may uh, get there. Yeah, that seemed like a pretty big deal. I'm curious since the Sacklers have clearly evaded any punishment, we don't see this discouraging any of future people uh, from doing just as egregious things, do we? No, we don't. In the dock, it actually happens twice. And we debated a lot about this in the cutting room. You know, it seemed like a, a double beat where Purdue gets its hand slapped, but doesn't have to endure any real punishment in 2006 because of a deal cut mysteriously. And nobody knows exactly who cut that deal at the Department of Justice. But Rudy Giuliani was was a, a part of it. And then it happens again in 2020 with this deal cut um, again at the Department of Justice, where fines are paid, 
Um, but key facts are buried. I mean, something that Patrick Keefe says at the end of the film is super important. You know, he says a lot of the families of the victims, you know, they care about the money. And of course, the money is important. But at the end of the day, what they want is the truth. And the one thing that the companies have been great at is burying the truth, you know, producing bankruptcy now. But we had initiated a lawsuit to allow us access to some more of those crazy videos that you've seen out of the West Virginia lawsuit. And Purdue's just spent in this moment, in this hour, $200,000 of money that they don't really have to fight us on that. That's how important it is to continue to hide the truth. Do you think there'll ever be any accountability? Uh, (laughs) What would that look like? I mean, look, I think people, some people have to go to jail. I I think that's part of what has to happen. And also the other thing that has to happen, and, and and I think in a broader sense, sometimes this gets into systemic issues that you have to deal with. The whole process of settlements and settling lawsuits, it does make sense. You get it. You know, people... You get to a point and, you know, you don't want to roll the dice with a jury. But the problem with settlements is that they bury the truth. And that, in a way, is avoiding accountability. And that's why these things happen over and over and over again, because nobody can go back and see, oh, my God, did you see the the record of what these people did over and over and over again out in the field, you know, using human beings as human guinea pigs for, 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 for opioids, right? Oh, it's so grim. It's grim, but you know what? I, I I think that it's only by excavating the problem that we begin to to, to see a solution. Because because in a way, the worst thing would be to see it as just a crisis that happens. Because then there is no solution. At least with a crime, there is the potential of punishment, and there's also you know trying to put in place measures that prevent the crimes from happening again. And that was one of the formulations of trying to call this the crime of the century, to say, we don't want these crimes to happen again. So how about we crack down on enforcement? And then how about we also, you know, rebuild the system so that it can't happen again? I mean, if if you keep leaving your door unlocked over and over again, and your TV set keeps getting stolen, you'd think, well, geez, Maybe, maybe I should lock the door this time. Yeah. The thing that I thought was interesting, I know we have to be done in a minute because Jesse's texting me, was the way the family laundered the crime in Flanthby. Do I think that that's a problem? No, I know that's a problem, but I was glad that you covered that because... It's a really common practice, too. Huge, hugely common. And of course, that's, you know, that's what the mob used to do, right? They would take all that money from prostitution and dealing drugs, and then they would go legit in Las Vegas. Or another thing you can do is, yeah, you you launder the money by having foundations or or big foundations or the Rockefeller Foundation, the the Ford Foundation. You know, that's an age-old practice. But I think in in this case, what was so interesting, and, and Patrick Keefe did a lot of great digging on on that one. And, and, you know, I highly recommend his book, Empire of Pain. The whole idea was their name, the Sackler name was on all these museum walls, but nobody knew where the money came from. Literally the only name I've ever seen as abundant as theirs around New York is uh, the Cokes. Right. Yeah. Another Uh, great one. Yeah. What are you doing next? I'm doing something for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Jesse. Really good to talk to you. You as well. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. 
In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from the Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.